Hey everybody, welcome back to the I Fell Podcast. I hope that you have been enjoying season nine as we talk about preparedness. I'm doing this special intro because today we are discussing just a simple conversation about human rights. And so today we have special guest, Mr. Gerald Rose. He is a human rights um, advocate as well as leader. And so I just wanted to let you guys know that in this conversation, um, we talk about some sensitive topics. And so I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Please enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And we will be back with a new episode next week. Welcome back to the IFL Podcast. I am your lovely host, Ms. Shay Ruff, and I am here with a wonderful and great and phenomenal Mr. Gerald Rose. Today's topic is IFL at Human and Civil Rights. And so I feel like it's important for us to discuss this. I, I try to stay away from this topic, but I cannot. <laughs> and so season nine is all about preparedness. And so we need to be prepared in this space. And what other person to, to do this with us than Mr. Rose? He has an organization that advocates for um, human rights, for civil rights, for those who are unable to advocate for themselves. He um, did some work on the Sandra Blaine um, uh, case and multiple other cases. Um, it's such a long list. You don't have to read about it. But um, Mr. Rose, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So, you know, we don't take long on our iPhone podcast. We jump right into the subject. And so, again, the topic is I felt that understanding my civil rights and human rights. So, Mr. Rose, if you would define civil and human rights in your own words. Well, first of all, uh, this, we're actually just a human rights organization. That is a broader agenda. When I say human rights, that's for all God's people. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color you are. If your rights are being violated and we feel that we have enough information, we don't go off emotions, we go off facts. And we believe that your rights has been discriminated. You could be black, white, Indian, Chinese, it does not matter. And your rights being violated, we will come to your service. So uh, we're not a civil rights organization. Civil rights is just strictly like NAACP is just strictly for, for uh, African-American issues and things like that. Unfortunately, as a human rights organization, uh, it mostly happened to people of color in our community. But, you know, I have helped several other races uh, in this country, you know, but unfortunately, when it comes to us, it's always us. Um, and it's just saying that, you know, you have to be the voice for the voiceless. Yes, and we appreciate that. I want to honor you and say thank you for what you have been doing in the community. You have been doing this for such a while. And so we <laughs> thank you for your bravery. We thank you for your tenacity. And we thank you for your integrity to be able to do that because it takes a lot of strength to be able to be out there. <laughs> but to be honest, Sharon, once you got a, a dynamic board of directors, staff members is on the same agenda as you reaching the same goal your work is much easier yeah you know what makes a strong leader is the people you don't even know that's behind the scenes is making it happen you know so i think god uh our motive is not i but we 
and we knew order for life, you know, and I can just say that we're doing great things. Um, we don't just march in the street. We have a youth and outreach department. Um, I go and do motivational speaking in like homeless shelters. We went inside the women's prison here in Atlanta. You know, before the pandemic, we was I was actually moving around, still moving around, but I was always moving around, you know, because I get bored, you know, and I love to do what I do. I love to help people, you know, and things like that. So God is good. We just gonna continue to, to be the voice for the voiceless. We appreciate it. So my next question is, mm -hmm. when were you first introduced to this this area, this this um space? It's called the name Reverend Floyd Rose. Uh, that's my dad first. He's a dad first, but a mentor second. And I can say that um, two of my friends was killed execution style um, back in the eight, eight, late 80s, early 90s. They used to cut my dad back um, front yard grass. And they asked me to go to the store with them. I said, no, I need to get something out the house. So I went in the house. They didn't return. They were killed. They were murdered. And my dad went on an 18-day fast. Um, you know, he was praying about the violence that was going in our community. And he said, son, I need you to call a press conference. I didn't know what he was talking about. You know, I seen, you know, growing up, it was not easy sharing in, in Toledo, Ohio. Our house was put on fire. Death threat calls came in daily. You know, we used to have police officers in front of our house like 30 days straight. You know, so it, uh, this is, I could take this very serious, you know, and things like that. So God called me back then and I moved to Atlanta which I consider the black Mecca. Right. King, you know, close to Birmingham with Bull O'Connor, you know, Louisiana, Alabama. And I came down here and little old Gerald Rose started an organization here uh, in Atlanta. Now this is not Toledo, this is Atlanta. You know, everybody's doing the same thing down here, but you know, I have proof in my space, but now, it went from a New Order Human Rights Organization to the New Order National Human Rights Organization. And uh, we're doing great work. You know, I done met Jose Williams when I first moved out here, Reverend James Orange, uh, Andrew Young, Bernice King, Coretta Scott King before she passed away. And I remember the late um, Joseph Larry said, Rose, you can't deal with them people in Cobb County. That's a whole different beast. I said, well, what you mean by that? It's called considered count on being bust. I said, Mr. Lowry, that's where I want to be at. So I really started in Cobb County, you know, wow. and things like that. But now we're all over the place, you know, and things like that. But, you know, I take this very serious. You know, one thing I'm very humble because God can take all this away from me. But he know how serious it is. And my dad keeps me in line. <laughs> he says, son, you, if you out here just want to be seen, I, I will ask you to get out this business immediately. But if you're there for the people first, you stay in this business and I'm there for the people first. Awesome. So if you don't mind, mm -hmm. expound a little bit about your dad. I, I know there wow. are, about your history and your dad, but if you would just let the listeners know who wow. your dad is. <laughs> you, only, if you only knew. They called him the little Dr. King in Toledo, Ohio. I mean, you know how they do here in Atlanta every year. They have the King program live on, on Fox 5 News. Sure. My dad was doing that in Toledo. You know, uh, he, my dad started preaching at the age of 11. He had started his own church at the age of 19. Ooh. A white billionaire named Billy South Estes sent my dad to college. My oldest brother name is named after him. Yeah, this was a white billionaire, wow. you know. So there is a lot of history. Um, 
my dad was like all always on the news, you know, fighting for the people, but it was very uneasy. You know, we was getting, you know, it, it was, you know, growing up under the under the roof was very uneasy, you know, and things like that. And it was a lot of negativity. You know, when you fight with people's human rights, you're doing it the right way. People's going to come after you, yeah. you know, and things like that and stuff like that. But, you know, he did a lot in Toledo, Ohio. And then currently right now, he's, he's elderly right now, but he has an African-American art museum inside his church in Valdosta, Georgia. Got it. You know. Right. So uh, he's still, you know, without my dad, it wouldn't be no new order. It wouldn't be no Gerald Rose. Like I said, he was a father first. I have three siblings. I have a sister and two brothers. But unfortunately, it rubbed off on me. <laughs> on the baby. But thank God it rubbed off on you. <laughs> right. And I'm trying to rub and I'm trying to rub it off on my grandson. Awesome. Right. So How old is your grandson? He's six. He's six. Going oh, yeah. You know. Get him early. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's, 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 you know, kids these days are very advanced. But yes. I'm talking to him right now. It ain't all about picking up and playing a PlayStation game. You know, I talk to him like a grown man. It might sound crazy, but what this world is headed to, if we don't teach him young, it's too late. Yeah, I have a um, seven-year-old. My daughter will be um, eight in August, and mm -hmm. I always make sure to educate her. Um, right at eye level to understand what exactly is happening you got to. You and got what's to. going on. So yeah, we, we got to get them y'all. So um, in regards to uh, your mm -hmm. history and um, how you got first introduced into it through mm -hmm. your dad and everything, at what point did you feel like um, we as a community are just a human being were failing in this space and not really taking it seriously? I don't think there's enough unity among our people, I agree. you know, and uh, we have to stick together, especially economic wise. See, the reason why Dr. King and Malcolm X and all them was very successful back then, you know, they boycotted it. They just, just boycott one day. That was it. You remember it took Dr. King over a year to boycott the buses in Montgomery, right. you know, and things like that. So me personally, you could rally and protest all you want, but if we're not affecting people in the pocket, you're not a threat. And I just feel what's going on right now. Look at this thing going on with George Floyd. Yeah. You know, that situation. If we could just redirect our money to our own community, we'd be a force to be one because we have the money. We have it. It's just the fact we don't mm -hmm. sacrifice. So that's New Order's main goal. We want to make sure that we kind of support our own. And I do understand they say, well, no. Black people is the worst one to take advantage of you, which I do understand, you know, and things like that. But when you have, uh, we go into these Korean stores or these Asian stores and the way they treat our black women, you know, we don't have no other choice because we don't really own our own business like we used to. So yeah. we need to go back to old school, how it used to be, you know, and things like that. So, but our young people that's out in the streets, I applaud them for protesting and rally, but we gotta have agenda. We gotta start, first of all, voting. You know, that's another thing. You see what we did with George, we turned it blue, but we still have a long way to go because you see what Governor Kemp just did to sign in a law about restricting voting. And you knew who was a target of because they're mad right now because the state went blue. Yeah. But we have to wake up. I require everybody start doing research, read, read. Don't just don't stay on no computer all day, you know, and things like that. That's why I kind of teach my grandson at the age of six, you know, we I have to show him now i take yeah. it very serious you know but it's just all about working together and showing unity and stop the black on black crime 
I always say, how can we fight the enemy if we keep fighting ourselves? That's you know, sure. you know, we, we get upset when somebody else do something, but I have did many things when black people killing black people. I don't know if you remember the case, the little nine-year-old little girl named Shakur. Yeah. Yes, I was the first person went public and said enough is enough. You know, and it wasn't, it was an outcry, but I could, why, why we wasn't in the streets marching for that? You know what I mean? But we say black <laughs> lives matter. Black lives matter when we kill each other too, right? It does. I agree. I know it the does. system is not set up for us. I know it's different when it comes to the system. Yeah. But if we're killing each other, we got to be just as angry. That's just my opinion. So you said a lot, and I want to uh, go back. And I apologize if I'm saying too much. No, 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 because this is all good. No, this okay. needs to be, it needs to be said. It needs to be um, put in place. But mm -hmm. what I want to go back to is um, okay. what you mentioned about voting. So um, I did a podcast about uh, politics a couple of months back um, during the whole uh, the election period, right? Uh -huh. And so right. you the current event now of what Governor Kemp has done in Georgia, and then also um, a young lady being an actual um, political official being arrested, arrested for knocking on the door. door. Ooh, can yes. I comment on that? <laughs> yes, yes, please. Go ahead. Oh, man, you knock on the door, but then you can go to the Capitol in D.C. No one look like us, break windows, knock down doors, very disrespectful, and no one gets killed, no one gets murdered, no one gets, they finally arrested people. But can you imagine, Sharon, let's be real now, this is your podcast. If that was me and you went to the Capitol, it would have been dead bodies everywhere. It wouldn't have, CNN wouldn't have been live. It's called the word white privilege. Right. Because, but this lady just go to the door, which is her right, then disrespect, then scream, knocking on the door, want to mm -hmm. know what bill are you signing? She didn't break no law and you get arrested. Right. Right. Right now, we live in two different Americas right now. But I, I, I feel like, it. I feel like, Mr. Rose, we've been always living in two different Correct. Americas. Um, just based upon, um, I recently did my uh, lineage, and so I was able to trace my um, mother's side all the way back to Port-au-Prince, and okay. I was able to to, to um, pull some of my, my father's side leading all the way back to Congo, right? So mm. I'm split. I have a free family because my mom's side was, they were free. They lived in Louisiana. They uh, built in Louisiana, started everything in Louisiana, and they were free people. None of them were ever slaves. My dad's side of the family, unfortunately, were bought over and were dispersed in the South, pretty much. Um, and so my, my, my being, what makes me angry is all of this at one point belongs to us because all of us are not descendants of slaves because if we all do our lineage we'll find out the majority of our people are already here our mm -hmm. land was stolen our civilization was stolen everything was mm -hmm. stolen and so that's when the two worlds started because at one point we were inviting these people in to celebrate to do whatever with us to help them navigate and then it all went left and so mm -hmm. for me, it's always been that way. And so um, it just intensified once I found my lineage and, and found out a lot of things and, and um, about what we owned, how we owned, how we moved, how we built. 
civilization. And I agree with you that we do need to go back to old school where we own again, right? right. Well, we, right. We, we dominate financially. Um, and right. it's not that we can't do it. It's um, it's just that we have to be more organized. And, and there are there are a lot of things that we have to work through. But I just I, I wanted to, to piggyback off of that. And, and we are living in two different worlds. And then also, my, my question to you in regards mm-hmm. to voting and even with the current event of what uh what uh governor kemp has done mm-hmm. how do we empower people that see things like that and be like there's no reason for me to vote because they're going to do whatever they want to do anyway you know what when i hear that i cannot accept that i go back how you know we died to vote you know we recognize john lewis and stuff and all that i know it's a different era but it proven vote does prove because look what happened to the state of georgia look at cobb county alone i have never thought it'd be that many black elected official a black sheriff a black district attorney a black female a chairwoman you know does so it does work it's just the fact when you get in office you know i hate when people get caught up in scandals you know what I'm saying? That's why you hear that, especially like, well, you know, they got all them crooks in office. I do understand. You make a bad decision. It's like organization. We're 501c3. We got all our docs in order. I don't play that. You know, you have to, because when you're in public office, everybody's watching you. You know what I mean? So it's very important. But we can't have an attitude that voting does not work. It does work. You know what I'm saying? We got 45 out of office. You know, and things like that. it must work because now they come th- out the election was stolen. It wasn't stolen. So it does work. You know, we can line up and buy all these Air Jordans and stuff like that. You know, just line up. We need to line up and vote. And it happened. You know, we have to believe in our people. I would never give up on my people. Sometimes I question my people, especially even, even on social media. I use social media wisely. It's called the word networking. I don't want to know about your personal life. I don't want to see a picture of food. What is that in pleasing? We need to use <laughs> social media as networking because it's exposing the corruption, yes. the ongoing racism that's going on in this country. Yes. You know, I get frustrated when I see videos. I'm sorry if I'm off the off the agenda. Oh, no, no, no. Keep, keep see, going. When I see videos, we fighting each other. You know what I'm saying? Disrespect and all that. I'm saying, you know what? If if I was just on social media as Gerald mm-hmm. Rose, I'd get out of it quick because it's messy. But I use it because it kind of helped us out on our platform and it helped us to go nationwide and I can do videos. I can look at this. We doing this, this interview, this social media. So some people are using it wise. I really appreciate the platform that you're giving to get the real news out there. And you you telling me you did your research of your family history. Now, I need to do that. I know. You know what I'm saying? So that's very important. You know, now you got me want to do that. So I really applaud you on that. Oh yeah, thank you. It um it, it was it was a lot of work. I was it was a lot of times I didn't go to sleep. <laughs> I was up till two, three o'clock in the morning just uh right. pulling things together, right. going through the tree and everything. But um yeah, I do I do am, am, um employ that everyone do that because um a lot you. of the history that they taught us is not really our history. And so mm. I just found a lot of things that was just, you know, wrong. Well, I'm not with too far. Story. I'm lighter than you. So I know I got some other side of me too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I'm born and raised in New Orleans. I'm a okay. Southern girl, Creole. 
Are you a part of an organization? I know this is your platform, but you know when I first met you, I gave you, I think I gave you a business card. I, I you you got you I like what you're doing. I love your platform. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not a part of an organization. I have been um I am more of a I don't Behind know how scenes. to put it. Like I'm a silent assassin, I guess. That's that's why I can put it. Like I, I won't be out assessing. protesting, but I'll be doing the no, hard no, no, work. No, 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 check this out. I got some silent sense people in my organization is way behind the scenes, but make it happen. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> no, I'm um I'm actually not a part of an organization organization, but um what since everything is being exploited, like you said with social media, right now we have a uh, a real front row seat on a lot of things that's happening. That's right. And so, unfortunately, even though it's I'm, been going on, quote unquote, yes, just, you know, yes. I, people pull out camera phones quick because thank God for social media and camera phones and and things like that. Because some actually, as we doing this interview right now, something is going on. Right. The question, I mean, so it's ongoing when it comes to us. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I, it's. And, and I'm like you when it comes to social media, like I have this love-hate relationship with it because sometimes I feel like it's being used in the wrong space. But um, since we do have it and we're able to, and those of us who are doing the right thing with it, mm -hmm. I see it as a, a, a blessing to be able yes. to connect and to reach and to be right. able to Like I see it. what you're doing. I know your resources. You need to know my resources. Yeah. We got to work together. You know, that's, that's what we really... That's our, that's New Order goal. We got to work together. We might disagree on things. You might have a different agenda, different platform, but it's certain, it's, I, bet, I guarantee you something that you have that I can send people to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things yeah. Things like that. So yeah. Yeah, we need to so work together. Let Go me ahead. ask you, um, let me ask mm -hmm. you this in regards to human rights. Um, mm -hmm. what do you, what do you believe is the, the number one, um, human right that is violated? Actually, the color of your skin, um, you, of course, it might be your gender, you know, um, but it's basically, um, it's, it's your race, yeah. you know, and things like that. But like I said, when we say human rights, you know, I can say if a, 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 a homosexual came to us for their rights being violated, if we don't help, you know, we're not fulfilling our dream, you know what I mean? I might disagree on how you living, you yeah. know, but at the same time is that, if a person is being um, rights being violated because of of your sexuality, of course, your color, your skin, or just the way you look, you know, we have and and we feel that we can help. We will step up and help that person, you know, yeah. things like that, you know. But this majority right now that come to us, it has been because of the color of your skin or how old you are and, and things like that. But you never know because. God has blessed us so much. Every day has been a blessing. I mean, I was doing so much traveling and things like that, you know. But when God know that you're doing it, um, that you're humble, you're doing it, you're doing his work, you will continue to get blessed and things like that. So it's on perfect. No, do I make mistakes? Yes. But he knows my heart, you know, and things like that. You know, my hand is always lended out. I helped a young man today. I don't want to say his name. But you know how God puts you at the right place at the right time? Sure. You know what I'm saying? There was a young man said that he got into a fight at a sports bar and he was defending himself and he ended up getting charged. You know, but but when you know somebody, <laughs> wow. You pick up a phone call, you know, the DA of that county, 
Are you listening to me, Sharon? Yeah. If you know somebody and you know the DA of that, I don't want to say names, but if you know the DA of that county to pick up the phone, you know, start doing some research or whatever and tell him what to do and all that and charges will be dropped. That's something big, but I didn't do that. God did that. I worked hard for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if I'm fighting and I'm sorry, I get somebody punched me, I'm going to defend myself. So why should I get charged? It was a misdemeanor, but I said, you know what? First of all, if you're telling me the truth, I help you. If you're not telling me the truth, I can't help you because I, it ain't what you know is who you know. Yeah. And I helped him out yeah. just over a phone call. He had court on Thursday. And I know it's going to get dismissed because I talked to the DA, not just a DA in that courtroom, the DA of a certain county here. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's awesome that you're able to, to have that reach, right? Like it's a bridge. Right. Be able right. to, to get people bridge over. That gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm to glad get you over. said that because actually we're on a tour called Bridging the Gap. I don't know if you've seen it, but we was on the okay. front page of the AJC Metro section about three months ago when I met with um, the chief of police of Cobb County and the deputy chief of police of Marietta about bridging this gap. Because some of us, not me, but some of us look at the police as the enemy. The pol All police are not bad. We need police. Right, it's okay. just the fact you got some bad ones on the force that are making the good ones look bad. And I want to go back to the word called serve and protect. You know, things like that. Some of the po our young people see the police, they drive through the neighborhood. First thing they do, they start running. It wasn't like that growing up. You remember that, Sharon? Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm from New Orleans. So uh, <laughs> in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, the police weren't, I mean, it, they weren't welcoming and they weren't it wasn't something okay. that we wanted in our neighborhoods. Now, here's the funny thing. The funny thing is my godfather, Mm -hmm. for years was a deputy sheriff. So to, to have connections with different police officers in different departments and everything was never a problem. But because of where I grew up and, and the neighborhood that I was in, we would run. Oh, for real? And we didn't do anything wrong, but we would run just because that was, wow. we were afraid. Like we always was afraid. Like, and, and it started as early as elementary school. Are you serious? Now, yes. Whenever we saw the police, it was like you know, we didn't you, do anything you wrong. You live in Fifth Ward, did you? No, no, no. I lived in. I'm, <laughs> so I am from Holly Grove, uh, which is considered. I'm tell you a little story about New Orleans when we yeah. get done. I, when I made a visit, um, you heard of Fifth Ward, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but anyway, and I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. No, you're good. But um, I, I was, I had a uh, a case up in um. In um down in um, Mississippi, but I stopped in New Orleans. Okay. And I like to just in a partner of mine with the school, would I say, take me to the roughest projects in New Orleans? He thought I was crazy. He said, "Huh?" I said, "Take me to the roughest projects in New Orleans." I said, "Huh?" Well, anyway, he took me down to Fifth Ward, and I just went up to these brothers. This I got a video on that on my Facebook page. I went up to these. First of all, they looking at me like, "Okay, who are you?" Or whatever. <laughs> And then once I started talking to them, they felt some kind of comfort zone. You could tell they was all tatted up. You could tell, I can't profile them, but you could tell they were doing something. Right. But I started talking to them. He said, one of them said, sir, I don't know who you is. I might can't go Facebook live with you, but I don't talk to strangers in my city. But you really care about my people, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, you know what? Anytime you come back to New Orleans, 
we got your back. We can't be seen with you, but we got your back. And it was like the shield came down. And first, my friend was like, Gerald, you crazy. But I do that in every city I go to. Chicago, Detroit, I go to the roughest projects. I'm not afraid of my people. I know you have to be careful. Yeah. But one thing God test um, gave me a, a blessing is not being afraid because what I seen what my dad went through. Yeah, I would walk up in it. We went to, we had a, um, we walked in the hardest um, projects in Alabama. Anderson, Alabama had a free basketball camp, but we walked into the projects to let them know what was going on. We started talking and it was drug deals going down or whatever, but you know what? They didn't, they didn't fear nothing. You know, I was being real. I know you can't, you have to be careful now. But, but that's just anywhere. Careful. Like, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Like, you have to be careful. You could be in a suburb. You still got to be careful. Like, that's it true. does not matter. You still got to be careful. So, yeah. That's true. But they, they true. because right. of the stigma of, oh, no, don't go to the hood or whatever. Right. But so I'm going to share the video. I would share the video in your, your inbox when I went to New Orleans. And, and okay. But at first it was like crazy, but I, I hung in there and after a while we just had a long conversation. Yeah, and, and that's the okay, so this is this first just to uh uh diminish the things mm -hmm. that people you know think about New Orleans from the outside looking in is that we are very hospitable, right? We're gonna make right. sure you eat, we're gonna make sure you have fun. We're going to make right. sure we get you something to drink. <laughs> we're going to make yeah, sure you have I, fun, I, I, right? I enjoy myself there. Yeah, we're going to make sure you have fun. But, you know, just like anywhere else, if you cross a certain person or if you cross a certain line or if you be disrespectful, then you, you know what I mean? That's what you get that's coming. But, you know, um, for a while, it was crazy. I think um, at one when I was a little girl, New Orleans mm -hmm. was number one in crime mm -hmm. rate. Um, and at that Still time, number I, one, yeah, New Orleans always been in the top five, boy. Oh, and it's it's always been like that. And then, right. um, at that time, it was the worst. Like in the nineties, it was really, really bad. Um, mm. one of my cousins was murdered at a house party, and nothing wow. to do what was going on, but he was murdered. A young wow. lady who snuck out to go to the party, she was dancing by the window, stray bullet took her out, and she passed away as well. Wow. So it was just. Again, the the culture right. that was going on, the things that were going on, whenever we heard sirens or whatever the case is, we just let me ask you something. When that happened, was black people in the streets marching, rally, outraging? When I hear stuff like that, one thing about me, I could be watching the news, and if I see one of us do something to one of us, I don't, I don't, I don't wait on black and white. You feel me? Of course, yeah. I would talk on black and white. Let me be clear, but I see something that is very crazy that need to be addressed or whatever new order we step out there on our issue if you know what i'm saying yeah now I'll, at first i shook i shook my head no they weren't but i would i would be lying if i said no but there were many uh marches that were going on um in downtown new orleans um okay. when it came to the black on black violence there were different um initiatives put in place um at the time uh mark mario he's um he's if i'm not mistaken i think he's on the board for the NAACP, but Mark Moriel was the, uh, the mayor of the city, and he did a lot for the city to okay. make sure that it was safe and to make sure that things changed. Now, it didn't happen overnight. He served two terms, but um, okay. but he did a lot of work to just get things back in order because it was it was crazy for a while. But um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting because even 
even now to a certain extent like I I have friends I have people I went to high school with um people I went to um grade school with that are officers back home and I'm still like no thank you I am real yeah I'm it's it's something that just I don't know I don't know how to describe you really really kind of fear officers as we speak right now I, I stay away from them I, I wow. will say that. And the crazy thing is, too, my mom works around them all day long. She knows uh, officers from, a lot, boy. Yeah, she, know, she knows officers from every, you know, in New Orleans. I mean, in Louisiana, it's parishes. It's not counties. So gotcha. she knows officers, deputy sheriffs, lieutenants. You heard, of, uh, you heard of Winfield, Louisiana? Yes. Oh, we used to I, go to Winfield for the Strawberry Fest. I could send you so much. I had a, we had a case down. Like I said, I move around a lot where a white, um, what you call them, parish? Uh, parishes. Yeah, jumped on this girl, man, and 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 beat her down, man. And I got the call went down there, and 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 and, and, and excuse my friend, raised some hell down there, and, and and got some justice down there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I've been to Louisiana. Um, about, like I said, I, just, I didn't have. Uh, it was a case in New Orleans where a young somebody got beheaded. Excuse me. Yes, I could send you all that, Sharon. One thing about me, I have facts. Wow. I could send you the news article. I would send a news article in your um in your inbox. inbox. Yeah. 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 So I I've, I didn't handle some some tough cases across this country, especially in the South. Never been on the mid um the the West Coast yet. Um, my goal is to get out there, but around like Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, I've been all through Texas. Um, you know, I've been some on the East Coast, been all in the Midwest, you know, so, you know, that's why I have a, a word called, and I have a, and one thing about me, I'm not a Muslim, Okay. but guess who, guess who provides security to me when I'm traveling? The Muslim. The nation of Islam. Because they're the heaviest. They yes. are, when it yeah, comes I to... When it comes to structure, when it comes to organization, that's the one. I, I'm not Muslim either, but I respect the, but we the black people first. The orient- yeah, right. right, I, right. I, I respect their uh, their um, organization. I respect mm-hmm. their diligence, their discipline. When it comes to yeah, right. yeah, you know they take Protection. a lot of people, they take a lot of them off the streets. But the rate, the high got to that point is that Minister Sharif who is the right-hand man of Minister Farrakhan. He's the Southwest Regional Director. Mm-hmm. And we've been on several panels together. And everywhere I go, he he make a call in what city, they be waiting on me, the Nation of Islam. I believe it. Yeah, so I don't have <laughs> I nothing believe against it. them. As far as, you know what I'm saying? You know, we might kind of disagree on certain beliefs, but we Black people first. We get, when you get stopped by the police, they just look at your Blackness. Yeah, they, they just they need the color of your skin. Right, yeah. right. So we all need to work together some kind of way. Yeah. We need to. So I, I know you mentioned that you had some tough cases and with majority mm-hmm. of them being in the South. And I just want to say this um, regarding the South. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of generational curses that we are constantly breaking through. And, right. and the reason why it's so tough in the South is because how heavy slavery mm-hmm. was in the South. Like Mm -hmm. everybody who wanted to get free went north, right? Mm -hmm. It went Midwest or they went to the West Coast. But because in these, this part of of the United States, it was so heavy. 
Mm. It's a generational thing that we are constantly fighting through to get through. And it's like, it's just a vicious cycle. It's just a vicious cycle. I'm going to be honest with you. I am from Ohio, but I think Ohio just is worth as Georgia. Do you? I wouldn't wouldn't think that. Especially the politics. Ohio is a straight red state. It's never been a blue state. Whoever win Ohio wins the president of the United States. Yeah, you that's know, true. Oh, yeah. I, I, man, the police is bad up in Ohio, man. Uh, I remember the last, I was in Ohio the first week of March. You know, that's my hometown. I seen these 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 brothers just pulled over by the police. You know, I have to be nosy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of so course. I went up there, as a matter of fact, the video's on my page right now, the first video. And he called me today and said all charges was dropped. God put me at the right place at the right time. Well, anyway, they was just harassing these people and all that. As soon as I pulled up, once I announced myself who I was, and I know your chief of police, the police just had a whole different mentality. Yeah. Because they was harassing them. They wanted to find something. You feel me? Yeah. Things like that. But I can tell you, like Cincinnati, ooh, it's, it's, it's bad. Well, up in I, Ohio. Can, I can kind of believe Cincinnati. They, they I... Ohio when that little boy got killed, Tamir Rice. Yeah, Tamir, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so I, I, me personally, Indiana, you know, that's where the Klan started at, the state of Indiana. Michigan, I ain't talking about Detroit, I'm talking about the suburbs. Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, not Chicago, Illinois. It's bad up in the middle. You remember when Dr. King said Chicago was the worst place he ever been to? When he was wow, I didn't even Chicago? know he said that. Yeah, Google it. One, yeah, Google it when he had a march up there. He said, this is the first place that he went as far as having a marching rally. Yeah, you can Google that, Sharon. That's interesting because I know Alabama was like on his heels. Yeah. Um, they was always on him, always doing something crazy to him and everything. And then also speaking in that day, growing up and seeing your father um, on the front lines as an advocate for human rights and everything and experiencing what we see you know, in these documentaries, in these movies, how did that make you feel? How did that make you and your, your family feel? You know, to oh me? man, my dad told me right now, he said, son, if something happened to me, don't get sad. I just, I'm 80, 82 years old. I see the first black president. I'm seeing all these black elected officials, you know, it's time to pass the torch. You know, I hate when he talked like that, but he didn't live a long life, a great good life. You know, he did what he had to do. And it's up to the next generation to pick up the torch and continue to fight for justice for people and things like that, you know. And I always talk to my dad, you know, he's a very knowledgeable man. Believe it or not, a lot of people here in Atlanta knows my dad, like the, the 11, Reverend late um, Joseph Larry, Cynthia McKinney. Remember Cynthia McKinney? Yeah, yeah. All the, they always go down and visit my dad all the time. You know, and things. when I had, matter of fact, I had Martin Luther King III because I have a radio show myself, which I'm going to invite you. Thank you. you. Know, I had Martin Luther King III on my show. Wow. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So they all know my dad, whatever, you know. So I'm really a home away from home. You know, so if somebody really come after me, I could really call on the big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you God know. for that. And I love yeah. hearing stories about that, of the unsung mm-hmm. heroes, because, you know, on the front lines, we always hear um, MLK, we always hear Malcolm, we always hear um, right. Rosa Parks, you know, those people or whatever. And you I know, really- Rosa Parks spoke in my church when I was a kid. She was, before she was in a wheelchair, she lived in Detroit. 
I got a, like I said, I could prove all that. She came to my church and spoke. Wow. One time. I, remember, I remember we picked her up and I remember I was in the back seat with Rosa Parks. I will so never forget that. Humbling. I, I seen all that. I seen all that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, the other experience that we had uh in um 2019 was we were able to go to the civil and human rights museum. The new one? Yeah. It, it's it, nice, yeah. yeah uh-huh. By the uh the Atlanta Aquarium. And you so know what's um, sad though, Sharon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's people that live here in Atlanta, never been to the King Center. You know the first thing I did when I moved to Atlanta, I, I'm serious. I am serious. No, I'm, I'm melting now because I haven't. That's very disrespectful. I when I been. first came, what? <laughs> when I first came to Atlanta, first thing, yo, you know what I wanted to do is go down to Auburn Avenue. Because how can I out here be doing this stuff, at least paying my respects to this man? You feel me? Yeah. That's the first thing I did. But you got some people that live here and he's been to the, I ain't talking about the new civil rights building. I'm talking about the original one. I'm like, yeah. are you serious? Well, next year, it will be 20 years that I've been in Atlanta and I have not been to the King Center. I have oh, been really? to the Civil Rights. Yeah, I have been to the Civil Rights Museum. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason why is because, one, initially, Atlanta wasn't my place to come. I wanted to go to, after I graduated from high school, I wanted to go to Howard University. And okay. my dream was to move to D.C., but that didn't happen. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to Atlanta. And so I chose not to go the traditional college route. I chose not to go to a HBCU. I got accepted to all of those colleges, but I just knew I was not going to do right. So I was like, let me go to a school that's going to accelerate me to get my degree. And I decided to do that. But um, the King Center and all of that, because of the neighborhood and everything, and I was 17 at the time, I was the only one here, no family, just me. Um, everybody was always stay away from this area, stay away from that area, is, to, is, you know, to protect yourself right. and stuff. So right. I never went. And now that I'm older and I have children, I'm like, yo, I I might want to get on that. Like I need to, okay. I need to go. Especially since you know, just finding out that they sold the, the original house. Um, and everything that uh MLK was in and all right, of that. Right. Yeah, I, I need to get that part of the culture um, okay. under my belt. But yeah, it'll be 20 years next year that I've been here and Right, that's the first thing I did. And I'll be honest, I think I was only here like a week. I met Jose Williams, Coretta Scott King. I was doing my my lead work, I wanted, I did that on purpose. You feel me? I want to get accepted into the city. I mean, I wasn't yeah. big as them, but I want to kind of introduce myself and pay my respects to them before they Absolutely. all die. So I really appreciate what y'all did for me. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. I remember living in Ohio when when uh, Jose Williams was, was marching in Forsyth County when they was throwing rocks and, and all that attacking him. Remember all that back yeah. in the day? I seen that from Ohio. I remember when, I remember when I was a young kid, I heard about the Atlanta murder killers, about all them babies. Remember that? No, I I found out about that. Like maybe what, maybe what this is, 2021. I found out about that maybe like five, six years ago. Oh, well, I heard about that in Ohio. I mean, yeah. I was up there, like hope this, yeah. So I always kept up what was going on down here. But when I got old enough and I got a call from my cousin. You know, I immediately moved down here. You know, I was tired of that cold weather in the Midwest. I could do so much. 
you know, and I came to a city that nobody know me, but once I started working real hard, you know, and things like, cause it was a lot of doors closed in my face, but once they knew I was serious, you know, I could just pick up a phone and call the mayor, call the chief of police, you know, call elected officials. It was a certain, um, you remember when, um, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but you remember when um, the, the sheriff got in trouble in Clayton County, Victor Hill? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember him calling me, saying, Mr. Rose, I need your help. You know, but the reason why I stepped out on favor is that I know all politicians do have a little corrupt, but him being the first sheriff when he got elected, it, I looked at it bigger than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you have to be careful what you're doing. But, you know, he called me one time and said, hey, I needed your help. That was a privilege. Yeah, you know and, and being here and in Atlanta. You ended up beating the case, too. Yeah, yeah, and being here. 35 indictments. Yeah, oh, wait, I didn't know it was that many. Yeah, and Good people grief. thought I was crazy. I'm out here marching with this man, making public statements and all that. But once I seen, again, I don't go off fact. I don't mm -hmm. go off emotion. Mm -hmm. I go off facts. And people thought I was crazy, man. End up getting remember remember he got found not guilty and all of them. Yeah, but I didn't know it was that many. I, yeah. I, I didn't know it was that many. So the thing is with Victor Hill, I was um when I first heard about it, I was taken back a little bit because I knew even though I don't have any business or nothing like that <laughs> on the south side, I just right. heard how great he was and how he was able to turn some things around and yeah. call right, right and, now. And he, you know, he being he used to be in the news on the negativity, but them folks still voting for him. Yeah, yeah, because he, he did some jail some like a boot camp. And he mm -hmm. runs that jail like boot camp. Yeah. You know, things like that. But, you know, you have to, sometimes you got to walk on. When God tell you to get involved, that's the only one I listen to. Wow. You know, because wow. he the one that's going to make sure, you know, that the truth be told, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So let yeah. me ask you this. When it comes to, because I have, let's do two scenarios. So, okay. I am um, discriminated against for, I don't know, for my, the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any finances for a legal team or anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. what, what would you suggest that I do and how do I start to, um, to acknowledge what's happening to me and how do I, I seek justice? So that not only I get it for myself, but other people don't have to go through it as well. Unfortunately, why a lot of people are, are incarcerated because of financial reasons. Yeah. You know, they don't have the money to afford attorney. Right. I do have aware of that. But if you came to New Order, you know, we do have attorneys that work with us that can work with you. Some attorneys might take it pro bono, you know, but that's that's what it is. That's the reason why a lot of people are, are incarcerated because they don't have money, you know, to afford attorney. I can't answer that for somebody else, but I know if you came to us, I'm just speaking from us, you know, we can, if we feel that uh, we have, that we can help you out or whatever on an organization wide, we'll be standing with you. And then we will, you know, get with the attorney. Um, believe it or not, um, that happens, you know, and things like that. So, but that's, that's the majority of what happens. It's just the money is a problem. And, you know, the ones really get hemmed up is the ones ain't got no money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's unfortunate. But you know, we just gotta keep prayed up, you know, and I love my people, you know, I love all people, but I really love my people, you know, because we're the only race 
uh, that we need to love our people too because other races stick together. You know what I mean? I agree. But we don't do that, you know. So when you say I want to love my people first, people say, well, you shouldn't say that. I said, why not? I mean, they feel that way. And and, and, and you know what? And I'm going to say this, Sharon, and I might be wrong. Let me be clear on something. I've been asking God to pray for me on that. It was wrong what happened to them, them Asian people that got killed, right? Correct, Let me yeah. Get that clear. The next day I seen a video, you know, people saying stop hate, stop Asian hate, which I understand it was wrong, but you still have certain people, we go into their stores, they disrespecting us as we speak. So when something happened to us, do they come to our aid? When you have a guy went into that church in South Carolina and killed all them black folks, I don't might be wrong. I didn't see the Asian community come to our aid marching, rallying, and protest. Not a George Floyd, that went all over the world. But it seemed like we're, we are a very forgiving race, which is okay with that. But when stuff happened to us, I don't see the Asian pick up the phone. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for what happened. Long. I, that's just me. You know what I mean? And I yeah, from a, so I'm I'm for me, I'm it's I have two answers for, for that. So one side from a human rights side, it is it's despicable, it's it's True. ridiculous, it's absolutely it horrible, right? As right. a melanated woman, right, who right. um has been in multiple hair stores, who has been in multiple um Asian um businesses. And sometimes not receive the best respect or the best the right care. Way. Right. right. Has and you know, used to go get my nails done all the time. Used to get feet done, eyebrows, everything, whole nine yards or whatever. Um, does it justify the means? No. The thing is, us as a a um melanated community, we we hmm. are forgiving. But also, when somebody is experiencing what we experience, we we jump to support them and to be like, right. we're gonna fight this bully for you, pretty much. Right. Even if nobody stands with us, that's just we've always been like that. I in my personal life, I'm the I'm the same way. I'm a big sister. I have brothers. I have four brothers, so I've always been the protector. I've always been the advocate, the advocate or whatever. So the number one thing is. I hate for anyone to be bullied. Right. I always want to be able to advocate for those who are not able to advocate for themselves. But I do um, see the two-headed sword in, in this scenario because it's like, eh, when it happens to us, they, you know, went about their business, made their money and all this other stuff. And you really didn't see that community on the front line for us. But they take our money, right? That's all they want. <laughs> they take our money. They have want. advantages that we don't understand. They have they, they they want. work in a way to where they don't have to pay taxes. Where they don't have to right. um work as hard as we do. They get they get stuff handed to them sometimes when they come into this country and it seems that our ancestors built this country was here first and we still are fighting for rights that should be ours in the first place. So um it's a delicate conversation. It's a delicate situation, but uh, we hmm. gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Sharon? Be honest with you. I know this is your platform, but if you ever thought about joining something and you want to work behind the scenes, 
and give some advice, we would love to have you. I know when I first Thank met you, you whatever, I, I thought you was real shy with you. I said, wait, she got her own podcast. She can't be shy now. <laughs> I said, I remember the conversation. But on a serious tip, though, you know, um, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to turn this around and invite you on my show Thank as you. well, you know, and things like that. So we got to work together. Yeah. So the, the um, because we're at the end of the, the podcast, okay. I always ask every guest, what advice would they give to um, anyone who wants to educate themselves in this space or just feels like, why should I even learn about so, this? About the organization? About human rights. Um, um, okay, I have to ask the question again. I'm sorry. Yeah, so what advice would you give to someone who wants to educate themselves about human rights? Okay, um, first like of all, they need, to, they need to read. Uh, I'm old school, go to the library. You know, it's all about doing research. One thing why New Order is so successful, uh, we do a lot of research, you know. So the main thing is research. That's it, you know. Get off these games, you know. A lot we, we're distracted as people. Yeah. I mean, how many people are sitting down really actually reading a book right now, or they just cut on the internet and just Google what you're looking for, come right up. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's all about research. Yeah. Just, I can say research. When you want to know about human rights, your family tree, like you did, you did research, you know, and things like that. So I would just say it's, it's all about research. So do you have a, a particular book? that you would recommend to someone about human rights? There's or? a lot of books out there about human rights. I don't have one specifically I could say, but I'm quite sure, um, well, you do have to use Google on this. <laughs> but uh, I'm quite sure that you can Google something in this day and age, because technology, and you might have something about that. I'm quite sure you can find something. But I do recommend, and especially start teaching your kids you know, it's all about, see, it's different between, it's it's a mother and daughter. It's not, you're not teaching us like sister and sister. You know what I mean? Right. I couldn't call my mom by her first name. I wouldn't be here doing this interview with you. I hate when I see people talk to their kids, you know, like they brothers and sisters. Yeah. Or the, the daughter called it by their mom their first name. I couldn't do that. You know, so it, it's just, it ain't how it used to be, but we can't give up. You can't give up, you know, and, and things like that. So I, I love my people. I love my race, you know, and we just got a lot of, we have a lot of work to do. That's why I say not I, but we, that mean you and this too, we all in this together. So uh, tell us how we can connect with your organization. Tell us how we can um, connect with you as well. Okay, you can, first of all, I don't give out a cell number no more. I didn't graduate from Yeah, that. please don't do that. Please don't. <laughs> I was about to stop you and be like, sir, please don't do that. You, you can contact New Order at 1-800-346-5138, or you can visit our website at www.nohro.org. You can find me on Facebook under Gerald Emerson Rose. Um, you can find, we do have a public page called New Order National Human Rights Organization. We have a youth page. I'm on Instagram, you know, so I can say that we're the voice for the voiceless. You know, I can say I'm asking all children, kids to put down the pistols, pick up the pencils because another victim dies, another mother cries. Yeah. Thank you so much. The door's open for you now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I'm, I'm coming. We, I'm we, coming. We, we are looking for a national women's advocate director. Ooh, don't that sound nice? Oh, wait. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, let me breathe first. Let me, let me. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, the title sounds big, but that's very nice. It's basically what you're doing as a female. You're giving out. I could talk to you more about it. Yeah. You know, it's nothing because your goal was to start what you're doing. One thing about my organization, my goal was to start a new order. I can't pull no one from somewhere else, but everybody can kind of fit in, go under one umbrella. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? But National Women's Get Advocate Direct, that sounds nice, don't it? It does sound nice. It does. I mean, my family would be proud considering the, the lineage. And then um, my right. uh, one of my, my cousins, my first cousin, his name was uh, Israel um, Israel M. Augustine, and he was the first black judge uh, on the Supreme Court in New Orleans. His first big case was in 1977 for the Black Panthers. So it's in me. That be that position right there is more of speaking engagement. Like, yeah, have connection with the women's prison. You can go inside the women's prison, get some encouraging words. It's not out being in the streets with me because we have different departments. So that's more like doing videos, talking about women's rights or depressed issues. You know what I'm saying? More yeah. stuff like that. And I can see it in you, but I'm gonna let you pray about it. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for extending the invitation and the, uh, <laughs> and the plug, right? Um, thank right. you for being on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening, for watching, for uh, being with us on this journey. Our one-year anniversary is getting closer. And so um, I just thank all of the fans for listening and thank you for sharing this podcast. Thank you, Mr. Rose, again. Right. And you keep up the good work, okay? Thank you. And we will be right. back. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Thank you.